0: Listening to 90% Mental Conversations with Grant Parr, Episode 134. Mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with R.J. Barsh, assistant basketball coach for Boise State University men's basketball, as he shares his transformational mindset and how he coaches athletes to overcome adversity. Coach Barsh also talks about the pandemic challenges and how his program has adopted the concept of win the weight a concept that allows the athletes to focus on daily work and to continually grow through the unknown. This coach knows how to produce champions for life. What would more wins, higher productivity, or quicker recovery mean for you? NeuroPeak Pro optimizes human performance by working to promote balance within the autonomic nervous system. Used by the world's elite athletes, this training program is now available to you at home. Cutting-edge neuroscience and technology allows you to strengthen your brain remotely, anytime, anywhere. Schedule your evaluation and get started with your brain training today. Visit NeuroPeak Pro and receive a 10% discount by using the promo code GRANTPAR. interested in a full body resistance training system to achieve your athletic and fitness goals the mass suit from juke performance is your answer the mass suit is a full body resistance training suit that you wear during your exercising or sports specific training to enhance your speed strength power agility and endurance you are fully mobile and it's great for plyometric and high intensity training it engages all muscle groups simultaneously and increases to a 50% caloric burn. Check out the mass suit at jukeperformance.com and other fitness related products and make sure to use the promo code GRANTPAR, one word, G R A N T P A R R, for your 10% discount.
1: Hey, coach, how are you? I'm doing well, Grant, and yourself. Oh man, I'm considering the times, you know, I know this is challenging for everyone, but uh, I'm feeling great. Um, Really, uh, just my frequency is high today. So I'm I'm really excited to have you on my show, man.
2: That's good that your frequency is high. I'm going to try to draw some of that as well from you.
1: All right. I love it. I love it. Well, again, super excited to have you on my show. We are going to talk about just kind of your mindset as a coach and as an athlete, your journey that's led you up to your role right now at Boise State. Uh, but I know there's three topics we're going to talk about. I know that you're very passionate about. We're going to talk about about leadership and success and culture. So really excited to talk about those three things with you.
2: I'm excited to talk about those three things. That that those are my those are my wheelhouse. You know, people <laughs> say wheelhouse. I've, I don't know what that what a wheelhouse really is, but <laughs> my will. <wheel>, so
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, let's get into uh, my favorite topic or one of my favorite topics is is mental toughness. This is something that I talk about all the time and I teach athletes um, a lot. So, and I know you do too as well. So when you think of the words mental toughness, what does that mean to you?
2: Mental toughness for me is to be present Mm. and simply to have a short-term memory, even for the good things and even for the bad things. So whether that's in life, whether that's in economics, whether that's in sports, whether that's in your marriage, to so keep short accounts of things, but make sure that you're putting in the work in the moment. It takes a lot of toughness to be present.
1: It does. It's it's the law of two easies. It's really it's really easy to do and it's really easy not to do, but but you have to practice at it. You have to literally, it's a skill to be where your feet are and get into your breath and owning your thoughts and aligning your thoughts and emotions. Um, especially I call it conquering the emotional hurricane is mental toughness for me because you are surrounded by it all the time, you know, in competition, even outside of competition. And the goal is how do we actually get into that eye where it's calm of the hurricane and get present and get into our breath. I think if we can do that and practice it, man, we're game on, we're prepared.
2: You just said two things. I mean, I need to get my notepad out. I love the law of the two easies and conquering the emotional hurricane. Um, And I think the whole idea for me of being present, it has been a journey of mental toughness. Yeah. I think in the past, I would always judge my mental toughness on the outcome of the situation. So I would make mental toughness this thing of resilience, of bouncing back, of you know, going against the grain or fighting harder when sometimes you got to go with the tide. Sometimes you don't need to fight. And so I had to change my, my framework of, what does it mean to be tough mentally? Yeah. just be able to access that power presently. And so that's, but it was a transition, right? You don't just arrive there just cause you know, it's available.
1: Totally. You know, and I'll, and I'll add to this. Uh, and this is why I love the show because when you're, t- when you're talking with like-minded people, um, there's always something that I can learn and you can learn, but I love it that when you talk about mental toughness, it's, it's not about fighting. It's about just actually going with it and being with it. And I, and I call that, I get this from, from Bruce Lee, it's called bending. So how do we bend and not break? And how do we do that? We get into our breath. We have to be present, be water, be water. Exactly. Exactly. So with that being said, when you think about your, when you reflect on your your career as an athlete and also as a coach, um, either or, can you share a specific time where you had to be mentally tough or you had to coach somebody through a mentally tough situation?
2: When I became the head coach at Southeastern University, uh, about 28 years old, 27 years old, 3,000 miles from home, I had a, a decent roster going into that first year and I realized that my best player was uh, not on track to graduate, and um, and he was, a, a, to me, an All-American type guy. I'm born to win, <laughs> if I shirt this young man, then my chances of winning drastically drop at this level. And so for me, I had to put myself in his shoes, be present in the moment for him five years from now. What decision would, he have wanted his coach to make that he would have probably fought in the moment. And so I, I made the decision to redshirt him. Uh, we went 15 and 17 that year, had some long losing streaks. But the next year we went to the final four. Wow. He was a uh, first team All-American, played professional. And so it, for me, it was uh, having the resolve enough to step away from the scenario I was in. The pressure to win in my first year as a head coach and then also looking at my player and saying let me make a decision for him because once I did the five-year deal it was no longer about basketball and I like I always say bigger than basketball bigger than basketball like people always say that but that was like the first moment where I had the opportunity to be bigger yeah and so I, I was like man this is it this is the moment that people talk about like I'm there what am I going to do and um, I made that decision and did not feel good for a week. I, I wanted to go back against it, but uh, uh, he was happy with it the next day, and so it was a uh, it worked out well. But that was a tough situation walking to that conversation.
1: Yeah, because I mean, you're your new coach. You want to put your stamp uh, sooner than later, right? You want to get the culture going in the right direction. But I think it's one of those things that I preach all the time. It's about playing a bigger game. And sometimes playing a bigger game, you got to make tough decisions that might not be, that might affect things immediate, or it might actually affect, like in your case, the following year. And also you're reading the defense for this young athlete. Uh, and that's where I think transformational coaching, like a lot, a lot, of, a lot of transactional coaches be like, screw it, man. I, I need to win now you you were you saw it you were more of a visionary and that transformational lens that's awesome man I love it
2: yeah you know uh Grant one of the reasons I I think I was able to make that decision is over time I had studied some of the great coaches that you know that I thought were you know successful and very few of them had a uh, big bang in their first year Mm. and so when taking the job I had kind of communicated to the ad can I take my time like to, at least two three years to to get the culture right and so I was like I'm gonna make decisions based on that and it was a lower lower enough level to where my wins weren't on ESPN but neither were my losses and so I could I could grind in private grind under the radar and so i I, I wish everyone would have an opportunity to learn in in, in those scenarios
1: yeah for sure. now, before we get into talking about success and leadership and culture, you know, I think right now with this pandemic, I think it's it's posing challenges for all athletic programs and And, as a director of player development for Boise State, what is the most important thing that you're focusing on right now to to make sure that the program is cohesive and and still improving and learning?
2: Kind of our verbiage is to Uh, nothing's done in a day, it's done daily. So a pro is not done in a workout, it's it's done every day. Uh, To separate becoming a better player from just the floor and the ball and helping them understand the whole idea of a professional and how you manage your time, how you maneuver through the bubble if we have to create something of that standard and how you lead by your actions. And so for us, it's been very, it's been very minimal teaching on the floor per se, but it's been a lot of reinforcing how we're going to attack when the opportunity comes. And uh, I throw a lot of phrases out there and quotes to our guys. And one thing that we've talked about is win the weight. So right now the people are at a standstill. They're waiting to see what happens. How do you win the weight? You prepare every day, like the opportunity you're looking for could show up tomorrow. And if that happens, we'll be ready to go.
1: You know, I, again, I'm taking something from you. I love it. You know, the, the whole idea and the perspective or the paradigm of it's not what you do uh, in a day. It's what you do daily. Love that. I'm taking that from you. You know, and when the weight is something, um, it's really interesting that you bring that up because. There's a lot of athletes and a lot of programs that I'm working with now. And one of the things, the biggest theme that I'm focusing on as a mental performance coach is connection. How do we, how do we stay connected to our craft? And then how do we stay connected to the people that are going to feed us through this time? So we're, we're, we're staying in our lane. We're focused on what we need to get done. So when it's ready to go, we're not going backwards to go forwards. We've stayed connected through that whole process. So, and I'm big on language as well. Um, Big on words. So if you were to create a word, you, you've already kind of created a theme here, win the weight. But if there was a word that you wanted to share with an athlete uh, during this time to keep them focused, what what would that word be? Work. Work.
2: <laughs> and, here, and here's why I say that word is because um, actually, let's make it two words, adaptable work. Ah, good see a lot of pros in the bubble that don't get to go home to their hyperbaric recovery chamber. So they had now put ice or something in their bathtub. They're still doing what they wanna do, but they have to adapt it based on the circumstances they're in. The work doesn't stop. Your innovation has to be more than it ever has. And then um, and then the consistency of other areas in your life. So. If I'm working to become a professional athlete, if I want to go to the NBA, um, there's nothing outside of my control that getting better today should change. Like the eventually the NBA, there's going to be a draft, there's going to be so the opportunity being paused right now should not change my process. Exactly. You just go to work. And so for us, it's we, Coach Leon Rice is brilliant by making the compound the, the compound thing simple and for us it's go to work what does work look like now less time in the gym all right so let's become more efficient more time on film all right let's make film more efficient let's keep adapting daily yeah
1: absolutely i love that now we're gonna get into success now again you and i talked before the show there are these words that we use in sports or in performance that we all hear, we all know, but we all have a different meaning to it. So when we think of success and and you as a coach, pretty much everywhere you've gone, you have experienced success. And and I know success and winning and being transformational is very important to you. But when you just think about that word success, uh, again, it's a broad word. But what does, that, what does that mean to you as as a coach? Uh,
2: success to me means uh Influence without proximity. Ah. So I can walk in any gym now with this logo on and I have influence so I have their attention because of the success of the logo. And so the more success I have, the more influence I will have without having to prove myself in proximity. To me, that's success because it opens doors that I didn't even know that were available Mm. based on the success. And so, I think the reason I use that is because I think it it, it transcends um just basketball. like you can it it happens in speaking, it happens in teaching, it happens in it success opens doors to where your energy meets you in the room, precedes you before you get to the room. Yeah that to me, is success is when that energy is good.
1: Coach, I was just, as you were talking, because I'm really, really big on energy. As much as that, what I do, it, it's, it's about being present and mindful and, and being in your breath. But all that gets fueled by the energy. And so I was going to ask you a question about how, how important is energy with success? And, and you just answered it. So that's, that's beautiful. Now, with your role right now at Boise State, what is the most rewarding part of your role? And what's the most challenging?
2: Uh, the most challenging part right now is uh, not having the organic uh, small talk that would happen in the locker room, in the office, in the hallways. Uh, that is at the for right now, for our sake and purpose. Those times are gone. Um, you don't get to sit in the gym for six hours and work out with your guys, and then they hang out and have a powerade or a gatorade, and now you get to talk about life. Like now, those moments are not organic. So having to create those moments to really get to the heart of your player. Um, That's been the toughest part for me because that's where I coach from. If I'm going to be hard on a guy, I got to know him. I got to really know him. So having to develop that is, has been good, but also a challenge. The most rewarding thing is um, to see that when you, when coach Rice recruits self starters, we recruit a certain type of player that, when these situations happen, they show why we recruited them. So they don't go into a silo or go into, oh, why is this happening to us? Since we have a target of the type of player we want, these are the moments where they show up. We were down 18 points with three and a half minutes to go in a game and came back and won this past year versus Utah State. We have guys that thrive under pressure we recruit those type of guys, second chance guys, overlooked guys in that this is that scenario. So what's been very rewarding is to check on guys and hear them speak from their heart. I'm good coach. We're going to get through this. Yeah. That's been huge. Also some of them coach, man, this sucks. So they're being able to be real with us. That's the part that's been rewarding.
1: Ah, uh, You know, it brings up, I had a, a great advice from um, he's actually, he's, One of my favorite coaches, he coaches uh, high school football right now. Patrick Walsh uh, coaches at uh, Tom Brady's high school and uh, though he's intense, but some of the things like what you were saying is what he does. And I remember him telling me this, like, love the, love the person first. So you can actually coach the heart of the athlete. And he's all about hugging and yelling and kissing and like basically tells parents on the first, like on the parents' night saying, if you don't like me uh, kissing and hugging and telling your kid that I love him, I don't want him on the team
0: mm-hmm.
1: because I'm taking care of him. And so, and it just made me realize how important that is, is, is to get to know them, to really understand the heart and the spirit of that person. Then you can get to the athlete. Then they'll trust you more
2: hundred percent. I, I agree with that. One hundred percent.
1: It's awesome. That's awesome. Well, let's get into leadership. So, again, another basic question. Uh, leadership is another word that's very big and it's very broad. And I think there's a lot of great leaders out there. And I think there's a lot of people that fall short within this area. So what what do you th- what does leadership mean to you? And then what do you think is the most important attribute of a leader?
2: Leadership means to me uh, the ability to get people from point A to point B when they don't know what point B is, but they trust that you're taking them there.
1: Uh-huh. Uh,
2: so um, there's blinders on their own potential, and they trust that you are going to take them on the course. So the trust in the leadership is, is what it means to me to trust somebody to guide you. Um, and what was the second part of the question?
1: What, what's the, what do you think is the most important attribute? of being a leader
2: the most important attribute of being a leader to me is the longevity of the compassion and here's what i mean by that a really good leader in my estimation is known by the people that leave his leadership that come back and give him a high five because now they're leading Mm. so that's a head coach that has a room full of alumni that's a a leadership expert that his other people are writing books and it's not the same book he wrote. It's a different type of book, but you can tell who he follows. Yeah. So I love a leader that duplicates the process, not himself. Uh, And that to me is, is, uh, is leadership. So longevity of compassion, reaching out to a person that you're no longer leading, that's now a teacher somewhere at a middle school and they can't help you win a game or lose a game today, but they're still important in that regard.
1: Yeah. And let me ask you this from a, from a coaching perspective, like how do you, because the question is that there's a lot of athletes out there that they have that leadership quality. They do, but you do get these athletes out there that are so talented and they can't get caught up in the me before we, so how do you coach when you have someone that's really talented, they do love the spotlight, but they they can lean towards the me before we, How do you coach that? How do you coach someone to see the bigger picture and get them back into that leadership role or in that we role?
2: Yeah, I think um, first let's talk about the mistake that I think a lot of leaders make because I've made it myself and it was made to me is we mistake talent and bravado for leadership. And I think we name our leaders too soon based on their ability to win the game or ability to have skill. And uh, leadership to me is being able to have the buy-in from those that you're leading. And uh, when you're younger, your skill gets you buy-in. But there comes a certain point in time where people, they're not impressed by your skill as much as they're impressed by the will of who you are on and off the floor. So for me, helping identify a leader of what their strength is, and what I like to talk about is shared leadership, because there's a there's situations where you're the best leader for this. I need you to be that. There's a situation where you're the best leader for this. I need you to be that. There's this misnomer that I grew up with where there always had to be one loud voice who was the leader. I don't really believe in that process because I've seen it work on me, my own teams being a head coach, where I had a walk-on who was my leader in the locker room because he took care of everybody off the floor. He got them to class. He was their tutor. You know, he helped do the financial aid paperwork. You know, we were a small school, but he was so mature that he could not play. And he could get in the locker room and say, man, you need to do this. You need to do that. And they would respond to him. Wow. And so for me, it's like putting people in the right positions to lead. So uh, not, not um, setting them up for failure. One thing I love to do is the team meeting process is if I know where a guy is strong, to to give him kind of a carrot and letting him know, hey, tomorrow I'm talking about this and this is where you're strong. Make sure your voice is heard when I bring up this scenario. Then we'll go into the meeting and then the next thing you know, he's talking. So now he becomes the moral authority in the room on that topic. And so I begin to set up him as having a voice in that space. Yeah. And so I think that's a, the best way I've seen it happen because when you lean on the most talented guy to be your leader, uh, his emotions sometimes scars guys more than it helps them. Yeah.
1: You know, I love it how you say, um, you know, right person, right task. You know, I, I had a, a awesome, one of my favorite um, managers in my professional life and the workplace that he was all about right person, right task. And he get questioned all the time from people on the team, like, why is he or why is she doing that? And he would say, right person for the right task. That person is better at doing it than you are but you're actually better doing this over here. And I was like, wow. Like, so it's, it's really cool that, and, and also you're angling too, like, you know, the strengths of your, your, your athletes. So you're positioning them. And, um, and then when you position them, we're going to get in here to into, into culture. But when you start doing that kind of stuff, you're getting them to get more ownership, more of, more of a voice. And then it becomes a player led culture versus a coach led culture which can are okay both of them are okay but i personally me when you see a player-led culture and you're having these players that are running meetings without you just all like and putting equipment away doing things not not being told to do it, they just know how to do it setting the standard to me again frequency i just love that shit i'm like that is awesome love it
2: yeah i think that's vital um in those type of cultures, what I've seen is the team usually usually mirrors the synergy of the staff. Yeah. And so when they see the staff op- operating at a high level of, okay, coaches, this is his area, this is his area, and then coaches – When he starts talking his area, you take a step back and you do nothing but promote him and you cheer for him. And then when it's your time, it's back and forth versus the internal tensions of I could do this better. I could do that better. Well, you may in the moment, but over time, the percentages say he should be the defensive coach. So right now, even if this fails, he's still the defensive coach. So support his theory going into this. And so I think when the team is able to see the conflict resolution in real time, they start to mirror those things. Um, And and like I said, a player that culture is, is definitely uh, something that evolves over time, Mm. but it it takes a coach to be quiet for that to happen (laughs) Sometimes, Very
1: true. (laughs) Very true. Well, again, culture. So again, what is, what does culture mean to you? And where do you start as a coach? Because I know you had to do this at, at your last program. Um, and I know you, you, you're building culture now. But like, where do you start building culture? So what does it mean to you? And where do you start when you're actually um, implementing culture within a program?
2: So for me, culture t- uh, starts with personal responsibility. And so you as the leader of the culture, or you as a person implementing the culture, you first got to be leading yourself. I think it's very, very hard to implement practices that you don't believe in, and a lot of cultures fail when good people lead them because they copy and paste somebody else's axiom without knowing how they got there. Mm. And so for me, it's different type of strength. It's not putting four hundred pounds on a bench versus doing fifty pull ups in a row. Both guys are strong; they're just doing it different ways. Right. And so for me, it's having the personal touch on your leadership in your culture second thing is um, you've got to have words that locate what stuff means um so if there's a fire you know what what they have a language because the language comes from let's save everything we can save in this moment of, of chaos teams are made because another team's trying to create chaos for us so words have power so we kind of explain that to them you know the power of using words and shaping your environment with pictures and memories and things like that because environments can change your thoughts, thoughts change your habits and habits lead to who you are. So for me, it's first starts personally with that and then modeling those things. And then in recruiting, uh, not necessarily saying culture, but saying, um, hey, go talk to one of our players and ask him what, what it means to bleed blue it sounds so corny but he'll be able to tell you right. why we say that right yeah. and so break those down coach rice has a has a book um uh for our culture our culture maxims that he spent a lot of time writing and uh it breaks down who we are uh serve move the ball you know bronco tough like all these things are simple words that have behaviors and actions
1: behind them yeah I love that culture for me is it is actions and words Mm -hmm. Um, and there's so much more to it, but man, when you can have a language and people are bought into the language and they're bought into the energy of the language and the behaviors, like you said, that, that correspond with that language. Besides mental toughness and the things that I do as a mental performance coach, I can talk about culture all day long. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's because I spent so many years playing football, being a quarterback and coaching, a culture, a sense of belonging, for me, and and seeing how people actually create that environment for people to feel like they belong and they can thrive, man, like it's I
2: love it. Um, I love, love it. it. Too. Culture helps you skip steps. Yeah, yeah. And then, and and then, but culture also allows you to skip steps without comparison or needing to skip the step. But you're not skipping it. Oh, because this team did that, we need to do this. You're just like, okay, this is how we do it, and then boom, it happens. Yeah. You know, um I, I, I love that it's like, you know, if you're driving on a road trip and you don't know where you're at and the language starts to change, you locate where you're at based on the language. Right. And for us, we we that's why we like to code our environments with language. So to let people know the bronco culture is here. Yeah. The blue is here, the broncos are here. That's who we are.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, um, I love this question. I haven't actually asked this in a while, but I've had a lot of coaches on my show when we're talking about, when we talk about culture. And so I always ask them, like, if you were to deem your culture or name your culture, so right now for Boise state, um, what would that be? And I'm going to throw out a couple of them that were really cool. I've had some coaches on here that say, you know, my culture is the effort culture, um, or the, the feel it culture. Like when you step on my campus, I want you to feel my culture, um, do your best culture. So what, what would be the name that can categorize
2: the, uh, the Bronco culture? So what now what? <laughs> I love it, I love it. So what now what? Our culture answers every, our culture book, our maxims by Coach Rice and the staff. There is an answer for every hurricane that comes to our program within that book. There is a there is a response in our culture book for racial reconciliation. We didn't have to come up with the word, come up with the behavior, talk. We were able to go to our culture book. Us having to quarantine or have five guys in the gym at once, there's maximum in our culture book that speaks to our environment, that speaks to being compliant so we can have success. So we don't have to recreate the emotions of what we're trying to be and coach rice always says hey so what now what a guy goes down and we have to we have to play with the lord so what now what in recruiting we have to fly to everywhere we go to recruit there's no driving to recruit unless you're recruiting locally so what now what maybe no one's recruiting in a plane right now I am the king of Zooms. I got more backgrounds than you can imagine. <laughs> Kids' living room. How'd you get a picture? It was on your IG and I edited it. And now I'm sitting next to you in your couch. Yeah. Right. Oh, so what? Now what? Because then it goes all the way back to your first question adaptable work. Yeah. Synergy, being able to synthesize your disciplines so you can be effective in the moment. You Big know, time. that's powerful to me. Oh, man, it's powerful to me.
1: That's some good stuff there, man. One more question before we uh, close up here. Now, it's more on reflection because I feel like um, if we truly want to get better at 1% every day, it's it, we have to reflect. So when you reflect on your whole career, what do you think you've learned the most about yourself?
2: I've learned that I have low expectations of myself. Mm -hmm. unfortunately Um, I've achieved things that I've gotten a lot of high fives and accolades and I'm more impressed by myself than I think others think because I think maybe I walk around and maybe I have a bravado that senses like I I know I'm going to do these things or I'm supposed to do these things. I didn't dream that I would be here at this time in my life at 37. I didn't dream big enough. My expectations were not high enough. And so, for me, when I look over my career, I think that built into why I work how I work. And so, it's no longer a negative thing. I used to think it was a kind of self defeating reality to have low expectations of myself at times. Mm. But um, when I reflect, that's one of those things like, man, I got to. We went to the final four my second year. That's pretty good. That's (laughs) yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Was it possible?
1: (laughs) Right. You know, it's coach, it's, it's, it's really, I'm loving having this conversation with you, because there's a lot of, we talk about the word synergy, there's a lot of connection, the way we think, and, and kind of the things that we've gone through, uh, you know, for me, again, I'm not going to go through my whole explanation of what I've learned the most about myself, but it all goes back. uh, When I look at my life and my career, I didn't play a big game. And I was scared, even though like, I had, I went through some really cool stuff as an athlete, but as I left the sport of football, I played a very short, safe, narrow game. And there was a lot of these other things and dynamics that, that played in that. But then when I got to the point of saying, screw it, like it's time to show up and blow up. Like I'm, yeah. I'm going to play a big ass game. And the last six years have been completely different from the last 20.
2: Yes. no. that that there's such a framework for for students. That message, Grant, has to be preached more because with all the trainers and all the systems of how to get better now, uh, there's this whole mindset that's protected. Yeah, yeah. Protected. And uh, when I'm sitting here watching you, it's like when you were in high school and you were the quarterback and you would throw the touchdown and the team would score, it's like you've found a way to duplicate that touchdown feeling in your life every day. Yes. And, and that's what, you, you, you just like, screw it, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> like, I'm gonna create this feeling in my life every single day, and that to me is, that's success, man. That is, that success, that's bending, that's water, right? Like, yeah. I get to have that moment every single day. Yeah. And as a coach, whether it's a quarantine, a pandemic, all these things, you can still find a way to have that moment. So what now? What exactly? And, well, you know, Grant, That was I mean, I love what you said there. <laughs>
1: oh, it's big. It's huge, man. That's that's what I share with athletes all the time uh, to to teach them how to play a big game with their with their game, with their life, with their relationships, with their grades. Like play a big game, you know, and if you don't win or if you don't get where you want to go, you know how beautiful it is to actually learn from that mistake because yeah. we have to fail up. We have to fail forward and, and part of the process of being successful is to fail. So let's have a different relationship with failure. It ain't a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. Failing sucks, but it doesn't have to be so shitty where it paralyzes you and, and it makes you stuck. So yeah. let's,
2: you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's, um. The whole idea of we failed when we were playing that game, we were down 18, right? That was a massive, looked like a massive failure. But we came back and won the game. And so I remember telling the guys in the locker room, now for the rest of your career, you fresh for the next three years, if it's 17 with 320 to go, you know we can win. Exactly. Like you just saw us see failure and attack it and win. So – now, if it's 20, then we got to try again. There's, now it's a whole <laughs> different... But now our failure gap of return to success is at 18 points. Yeah. You know, we still got a chance. If there's 320 on the clock and it's 18, we've proven we can win. Exactly. Sometimes those, when you, like I said, make a relationship to those failures, it builds that resilience to where now you are in a moment and you're like, oh, we got this.
1: Big time. Yeah. It's like it's like a new standard to deal with adversity.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. You
1: know? That- uh-huh. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, coach, man, I wish I had another hour with you. I mean, there's so many things we can be talking and hitting the ball back and forth on. But uh, before we sign off, how can my listeners, how can they follow you and connect with you on social media?
2: Uh, I am coach R J A Y Barsh, B-A-R-S-H. So it's all one word. Coach RJ Barsh on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I am the head coach of joy on Instagram. So I, you know, I'm contagious with that joy and yeah. putting out videos and and stuff like that. So I, I love social media. I'm very active uh, on those platforms. I have my link tree uh, right there on both platforms as other podcasts and different things that I've done. So if you want to follow the wave of contagious joy, man, that that's where you can jump on the train.
1: I love it. Well, I'll be jumping on that for sure cause it's my favorite emotion is joy, so that's awesome. It's yeah. awesome. Well, coach, thank you for your 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 energy, your time, your passion for coaching. Um, i'm I'm gonna be in your corner watching you develop and develop other athletes. So uh, this is exciting. And, uh, and and again, thanks for being on my show.
2: I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Grant. I'm ready to you know see see the the fruits from the labor. There you go. <laughs> you <laughs>